Hello everyone, welcome to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. And today, for the first time in a long time, but hopefully we'll have many more of these to come, we have all three of us, me, Corbin, and as always, Perry Aston with me too, and today, Christian McGowan as well. So guys, say hello. Hey, how are you doing? What's going on, guys? We're all together in person, and we actually had a, a very important weekend. It was my birthday, and Christian back from Louisiana for good, so we're all back in California together, and uh, changes this podcast, adds a lot of energy, I'm super excited about it. But yeah, just to get started, uh, please follow us on Twitter at NBA Unwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry Asting. You can follow Corbin on Twitter at CorbinMRPK. You can follow Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. To check out our podcast, you can listen to us on SoundCloud. You could also listen to us on the Apple Podcast app. With, while you're there, please rate us five star. Give us any kind of input that you have on our podcast. We'd love to hear it. But let's just jump right in, guys. Uh, so let's start with the all NBA teams. We have the first, second, and third teams. We wanted to list those off, give a couple thoughts, and then we actually have a fun exercise that we found that I tweeted out on my personal page. <clears throat> it's the build your own all NBA team. For the first team, it's five points. All NBA second team, it's three points. Third team, it's one point for each player. You have 15 total points to build your team. So, you know, for example, LeBron James would be five points. Giannis, who would be on the second team, would be three well, points. Let's, let's go through Curry. each of the all so, NBA teams. Just so. wanted to uh, yeah, just briefly explain that before we jump into that. But let's so let's talk about the all NBA first team. We got LeBron James, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant. Second team, Giannis. Antetokounmpo. Kumbo. Russell Westbrook, Joel Embiid, LaMarcus Aldridge, and DeMar DeRozan. For the third team, Steph Curry, Victor Oladipo, Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, and Paul George. So, Corbin, we'll start with you. Wanted to hear your thoughts on first, second, and third team and anything that stands out to you. Yeah, something definitely stands out. Damian Lillard on the first team All-NBA over a guy that averaged a triple-double in Russell Westbrook. Apparently a triple-double is no big deal. Well, we were talking a little bit before we got on this podcast. It's ridiculous how I never thought that we would ever take a triple-double for granted, averaging a triple-double over the course of a whole year in the NBA for granted. Apparently, it only took two years. Second year, doing it in a row, it's not a big deal. He's six foot three, averaging double-digit rebounds a game to go along with double-digit assists. And How many points did he average per game this year? 24, 25 points per game? He's deserved to be on the first team. It's absolutely absurd that, I mean, Damian Lillard, people say he's got snubbed in the past. This this isn't about about making it up to people who got snubbed in the past. I don't think he's ever been snubbed in the past. You snubbed Russell Westbrook. He's he's been snubbed on the whole NBA team in general. All NBA team in general, but this is a first. This is a first team, and I was having a conversation with someone on Twitter the other day when I put these out. We both were in total agreement, freaking out about the same thing that Corbin just started out with. Damian Lillard, you are a baller. You brought that team to, I believe it was a three seed. Um, they killed and it this year, and but doesn't matter. But Damian, this is a regular season award, and Damian Lillard, although you killed it, look at those numbers for Russell Westbrook. It's insane. I don't know how we take that for granted. Um, Giannis, I know we predicted that he was going to win the MVP. Yeah, so a little, little off started. by so that. A little off, but maybe it's next year. But you could just see that, see the potential there if he has the right coaching because there was a coaching change halfway through the year. But well, I think the next podcast, Corbin and I will take the time and go back to all of our predictions and really see how wrong we were about a lot of things, maybe a couple things that we, we <laughs> hit right. Some few things we But, have. yeah, wanted to move on to that fun exercise that we have since the first 
you know, these are all the teams. Let's build our own. I actually did this already, and I put this on Twitter. So I'll start with mine. So just like I said, if you're on the first team, you're five points. Second team, you're three points. Third team, you're one point. Uh, I have Steph Curry as my point guard with just one point because he was on the third team, so that's a steal. Jimmy Butler as well on the third team. I have him as my other guard. LeBron James, uh, five points for being on the first team and being the best player in the entire world. Giannis, I grabbed him for one of the four positions since he's only three points on the second team. And Anthony Davis, who also is five points being on the first team. So my total team, Steph Curry, Jimmy Butler, LeBron James, Giannis, Anthony Davis. So we'll move on to Corbin's, see where he's at with this, but I don't think you can beat mine. <laughs> well, I know that I uh, originally when we talked about this, I had Steph Curry, Paul George, LeBron, Durant, and Embiid on mm-hmm. my team. I know, Christian. You're going to be playing with four men at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when Embiid goes down with his inevitable injury, but I'm assuming, I'm assuming injuries are turned off. Otherwise, I might rethink that. Space. But... Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm tempted to go with instead of MB, just go with Giannis because the NBA is going into a. It's been going towards a positionless type game where you could definitely get away with playing either LeBron, Giannis, or Kevin Durant at the center position. Uh, but I think either one of those teams beats your team, Perry. <laughs> so I'm going uh, the King. Obviously. Anthony LeBron. Davis. Okay. Giannis. Steph Curry and Cat. Okay. Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, I want length, and then have my one little token small guy. And <laughs> he, you can technically do that because Giannis is actually technically listed as a point guard, but you can consider him a forward as well. Are you said positionless basketball. Yeah, it's it's kind of. But I'm talking about just how technically you're supposed to have two forwards. I'm just seeing LeBron. So if we're, if, wait, are we doing this like picking our all NBA team or just building our team? Points. Yeah, just building our yeah, own building team. Our team. I don't think there's any. No, no, I was saying I was looking at the second team, and there's actually Aldridge, Giannis, and Embiid. So. I think at that point, you know, what do they have? Well, they have two Giannis forwards and a center. Embiid's the center. Giannis and Aldridge are the yeah, forwards, right. and then DeRozan and Westbrook are the guards. But wasn't he listed as a point guard for the majority of the year? No. They list him as a small forward. For, for Giannis? I thought yeah, at some even, point he played some point guard. point guard, but I don't think they, they... It's like what's on the all-star ballots, but it's weird because for all-NBA voting, the voters get to choose where they put the player at. That's where... Like, Anthony Davis has been screwed over in the past because he should have made, like, all-NBA first team. I think it was last year, but, like, half of the voters had him at center and half had him at power forward. Um, I'm not sure if they moved it to just two backcourt players and three frontcourt. I think it's still two guards, two forwards, and one center. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, So let's see. We have the 2018 NBA all-defensive team. uh, Defensive teams. The first team is Rudy Gobert. Anthony Davis, Victor Oladipo, Drew Holiday, and Robert Covington. Second team, Joel Embiid, Draymond Green, Al Horford, uh, DeJounte Murray, and Jimmy Butler. Uh, I know Draymond Green was extremely upset that he didn't get first team, all defense. But what do you guys think uh, about at least first team? I want to hear if anyone got snubbed or if you think these are set pretty in stone. You can take out Embiid and put Draymond in there. Well, no, Embiid's second team. They're both second team. Yeah, no, but... Draymond was upset that he didn't make first team. I mean, Anthony Davis had an insane year on the defensive end, so yeah. Rudy Gobert, that's his... The only thing with Gobert is that because he did miss a good amount of games, I could see I, I could see the argument for him on first team and for second team just because of the games missed. Other than that, 
Drew Holiday had an unbelievable year. And he was he was underrated this entire year until we got to the playoffs. And these these teams are voted on before we get to the playoffs. So it's good to see that even though the general public didn't really know, maybe they knew who Drew Holiday was, but didn't know how good he was, and especially how good he is on the defensive side of the ball. Because he showed offensively and right. defensively how great he is in the two rounds of the playoffs, but it's good to see that the voters were able to Oladipo, make note of that. Oladipo yeah. had the most impressive year out of anybody on this list on both ends of the floor. He showed he's a star, and well, he, he, he was... No, he didn't, he didn't have a more no, impressive was, year no, than Anthony was, Davis. Well, no, no, Rel- no, no, relative to what you expected, right? Exactly. Anthony Davis, okay. you expect him to yeah. be amazing. All these guys you expect for the most part, but Drew Holiday you don't expect. Like you said, Victor Oladipo, that's, he's going to win the most improved player award. Because he is the most improved player, he came out of no. He is he solidified himself as a star, and the Pacers are now going to start building this team around him and Miles Turner. But yeah. I love seeing his name. I, I believe he led the league in steals for the most of the year. I don't know if he ended the year like that, but I know he definitely was up there in the top three for steals. So impressive year all the way around. Let's move on to the NBA All Rookie. I teams. think really quickly that second team though, looking what? at it with Al Horford, he should be writing a thank you to Kawhi Leonard for not playing this year because <laughs> he would not be on that. Leonard, you got thing. so much more to figure out right now. Good Lakers. Um, <laughs> so NBA All Rookie teams: first team, Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Kyle Kuzma, Laurie Markkinen. I think it's no surprise to see Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell on there. It's going to be between the two of them for Rookie of the Year. Jason Tatum had a phenomenal year and even even more phenomenal postseason. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Kuzma showed he had a tremendous year and he, you know, came out of nowhere as a late twenties pick just played out of his mind uh one player i wanted to bring up really quick there now christian has a couple words on laurie marketing <laughs> a fun exercise that we did this was actually before last year's draft we all were we did this simulation where you each we, one we of took us control were, we, yeah, took we took control, control of different of the NBA teams it was pretty much what you did on 2k but we did it in ourselves somewhat and, real life yeah, with, yeah so I, I i took over the kings and you know they took over other teams and you made trades, you know, with each other. You had to move within the cap space. Mm-hmm. It was very realistic. It was actually a really cool exercise that we did. But Christian won. We actually, and then we had to draft at some point. We could have traded draft picks, moved up and down the draft boards. But then Christian drafted Laurie Markkinen. A 13. And, and I, was, I, was, I was told that I was stupid for that by a man Definitely that took Harry Giles at 10. <laughs> so... I just want it to be known that my basketball knowledge uh, is is out there. It's impressive. I, I saw that. And I, have to, I have to thank Perry because Perry put me on to him. Yeah, I mean, your basketball knowledge is definitely not something to be denied. Um, but yeah, for second team, we got Dennis Smith Jr., Lonzo Ball, John Collins, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Josh Jackson. Um, honestly, I think this is a perfect list on first and second team. Um, Lonzo Ball, I know he missed some time, so people can say whatever they want, but he deserves to be on there. Bogdan Bogdanovich played out of his mind, too, for a rookie, and I honestly, Josh Jackson, even though he didn't have the most sexy beginning to his rookie year, definitely ended extremely well, and it was impressive. So, any thoughts on the rookie teams? Well, I think the first team was pretty much set. Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, Tatum, and Kuzma, they were first team all rookie for sure. The fifth spot was a little bit up for grabs. I think Markinen definitely had the upper hand on that, but uh, you could make a case for Dennis Smith Jr. had a very impressive rookie year. Lonzo Ball had a really good rookie year, too, even though 
could have shot the ball a little bit. Yeah, he could have shot the ball better, but the stuff that was a concern for him going into the league, mainly defense, he rated out as by a lot of different advanced metrics as the best defensive point guard in the league. Not just rookie point guard, but mm-hmm. the best defensive point guard in the league. And going into the draft, that was the number one concern with him, is he is going to get smoked on defense. Not only it did he not get shot. smoked, he played incredibly well on defense. Yeah. His ability to anticipate passes and get steals, I think that at least one time during his career he's going to be leading the league in steals and he'll also make at least one all nba defensive team which is something i never thought that i would say a year ago yeah. do you think that's a nod to luke walton's coaching because didn't he not show that defensive prowess when he was at ucla to that extent of how well he was playing defense? Uh, it's yeah it's a different game too with um it's different going from college to the pros where the game's a little bit faster and i think that lonzo ball because he is so smart that's the one thing about him one of a few things about him that, more than a few things about him that I really like, but his mental abilities with understanding the game and just, I think a lot of his ability to anticipate where passes are going to go and get those steals is because of him being such a great passer that mm-hmm. he's able to see, even on the defensive side, look through the point guard's eyes that he's guarding and see, okay, where's he probably going to go with this mm-hmm. ball? Where are his eyes looking? So- is he going to go there? So when the competition gets better, he gets better at defense because he has that vision. That And so how is it in college that – well, why is it that when the competition gets better, his defense gets better? Because you'd think it'd be the other way around. I mean, that's the heart of a true competitor. It just shows that he's able to adjust. And when he got to you know the NBA, and that was definitely one of the doubts that people did have about his game, he wanted to prove probably on all ends that that was something that he could – do well especially not just up to par but do well and his shooting of course at the beginning of the year it wasn't very good and his percentages weren't there but he was confident and continued to keep shooting because that's what you have to do as a rookie getting through it yeah and you know towards the end of the year his or sorry uh, you know towards the towards the all-star break his percentages for threes was starting to go up tremendously his numbers were getting there he was everything was starting to fall into place for Lonzo Ball yeah, he had, he had a really good middle of the year. It was the beginning of the year, his shot did not fall at all. Middle of the year, especially when he was dealing with some injuries, when he was healthy, he was shooting it really well, around 38, 39% from three. And then towards the end of the year, he was still finishing strong. It's just his shot started to taper off a little bit. So there's still a question going into his second year of is he going to shoot the ball, even at an average clip, which is really... If you break down the numbers throughout his, like, taking off the first 10, 15 games of his career where he started adjusting to NBA, if you look at his numbers from there on, he shot at about average, so that's where I'd expect him to be around next year. And with Lonzo Ball, with everything else that he's able to do, if he can shoot the ball just average from three, that's more than good enough for me. It should be more than good enough for the Lakers, but it also just depends on who he's going to be playing with next year because... Obviously, if the Lakers are able to land Paul George and or LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard, that drastically changes what Lonzo Ball is going to be asked to do next year. And so if they have even one of those players, the scoring responsibilities, which wasn't put on him too much last year anyways, but it just diminishes that much more. And Lonzo Ball, I think 
more important for me to see from him next year than him being able to hit his outside shot is being able to finish in the lane because that was something that he did really well last year was attacking and getting to the basket when he wanted. It's just that he was always looking to pass because he doesn't have many different shots in his repertoire. We saw him take a few teardrops now and then, and some of them went in, some of them looked really ugly. So I think that's the thing he needs to work on most is just being able to finish Getting a little stronger, it's what we saw from Brandon Ingram last year, who Lonzo Ball's kind of thin, and I'm not going to say frail, but um, kind of reminiscent of Ingram, not quite as skinny as Ingram was his rookie year, but we saw Ingram be able to not necessarily look a lot stronger in the second year, but he definitely added a lot of strength because he was able to finish against guys at the rim where he wasn't able to last year, and we've heard from Kyle Kuzma saying how Lonzo Ball's really paying attention and actually focusing on weightlifting and getting stronger, whereas before he kind of took it as a joke, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, so as long as that's true, I think that that's going to play even bigger dividends for him than being able to hit an outside shot. Yeah, um, so I want to bring up just a couple Twitter polls that we have right now for awards that haven't been picked yet, like MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, Coach of the Year and Most Improved Player. We'll start with the last one I just listed, the finalist for Most Improved Player. Um, we said, who's your pick? It's Victor Oladipo, Clint Capella, or Spencer Dinwiddie. Both, all three players had breakout years. Clint Capella, you know, with the Rockets, his plus-minus efficiency was off the charts. He's going to earn himself bucks yeah. this year uh, with needing a new contract. Spencer Dinwiddie, um, he was one of those players that people didn't expect to contribute really anything to the roster, and he's been a pleasant surprise. He came out of nowhere, so that's why he's put his name on there, so you got to put some respect on him. But Victor Oladipo, the year that he's been able to carve for himself after not being a bust coming in where he got drafted, but not playing up to the potential that people put on him. And when he went to the Thunder, he was nothing more than just seemed like a role player or a somewhat average starter. Wasn't anything more than that, and it was a little bit disappointing. And when you know, he was involved in the Paul George trade, and it seemed like pennies for the dollar for Paul George because it was Sabonis and Oladipo. All of a sudden, the two of them were able to output the same numbers <clears throat> just from a statistical standpoint as Paul George was this year. And Victor Oladipo, from a leadership standpoint, you know, did everything he could on this team. This wasn't Miles Turner's team this year like what we predicted. This was Oladipo's team, and he was an all-star and you know most of, he's he's going to be a most improved player also and his on the defensive end you saw him making a defensive team yeah. and on the offensive end you kind of just saw him all ends i completely agree victor oladipo has this award pretty much wrapped up clint capella had a really good year yeah. but last year capella showed a lot of flashes to where you can kind of expect a year similar to what he did this year whereas victor oladipo last year he averaged around 15 points per game with westbrook and the thunder and when he got traded, like you said, we never expected anything like this. But also, you mentioned Miles Turner. He's someone who, it seems like the last two years, because he had a really good rookie season, yeah. been kind of waiting for him to break out and take that next step. I know. Step. I predicted him, I believe, to win. I think I had him high on my so list. but He's not even here. Yeah, and he really didn't do anything. He was okay this He's year. Okay, but yeah. He didn't take anything close to the step that you were hoping and kind of expecting. So that was... A disappointment for the Pacers, but obviously they'll take their year overall because they have someone who is a star that they can build around, Victor Oladipo, who, when this year started, 
I guarantee no one in that front office thought that they had a star. Definitely. They made the playoffs, almost took LeBron out of the playoffs this year. They won seven games. So I think uh, he further proves that everyone who leaves Russell Westbrook plays better. And <laughs> did you hear that, Paul George? Right, uh, come, to come to L.A. But, yeah, you guys thought, 90% of you thought it was Victor Oladipo, 10% of you, Clint Capella, 0% voted for Dinwiddie. So Victor Oladipo won in your guys' eyes. We'll move on to Coach of the Year with that poll. Uh, the finalists were Brad Stevens from the Celtics, Quinn Snyder from the Jazz, Dwayne Casey from the Raptors, who is no longer is with the Raptors anymore. It's funny how this works. Uh, but we put out that poll. You guys said Brad Stevens, 73%. Quinn Snyder, 18%. Dwayne Casey, 9%. So Brad Stevens, 73%. Remember, guys, this is a regular season award, so the playoffs don't have anything to do with this. Uh, I'll start with this one. Brad Stevens is my favorite coach in the entire league. What he was able to do this year without um, Gordon Gordon Hayward and with Kyrie being banged up and whoever else went down throughout the year – Jalen Brown Jaylen, missed some time. Nothing was the nothing was easy for them. Having to and develop Jason Tatum. The fact that I saw I've seen so many players leave Brad Stevens' system now with Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder and Jay Crowder's found success on the Jazz definitely, but he had a, he had a very tough time adjusting when he went to the Cavaliers and it it just became more and more apparent when I saw more players leaving his team and struggling at least having an adjustment period was that you know people underestimate the Brad Stevens system and how it brings out the best in these players. And Quinn Snyder is very similar. Quinn Snyder in that regard to a point where he's known for bringing the best out of players that weren't known to be superstar. Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, uh, Gordon Hayward even. Um, So he is known for that. That's kind of what he does. But Brad Stevens is methodical and his mind is on another level. He's going to be a Popovich, uh, you know, one of those guys, Pat Riley, he's going to be in that tier. He's so young. He's got so much basketball ahead of him. But what a year he was able to, you know, Take, he almost just made it finals right now. Just took him to seven games. And this has nothing to do with the postseason, but just against comment, the best commenting, player. He's the only superstar. They were points away. If, if Rozier made you know a couple three-pointers, he went zero for ten. Jalen Brown was, I believe, I don't know, two for ten or something like that. It was absurd. If their starting backcourt didn't just fall off a cliff in game seven. It was one of the worst. It was one of the worst performances. Even if they just had Kyrie Irving playing. For at least field goal percentage. But, yeah, you guys said Brad Stevens. I say Brad Stevens. What do you think? I think, yeah, because remember, we got to remember this is just a regular season award. If we take playoffs into it, Brad Stevens wins hands down. I think there's a really strong debate to be had between Dwayne Casey and Brad Stevens because with Brad Stevens, it's so impressive what he was able to do with losing Gordon Hayward in the first game of the season. And I'm sure all of his prep, all of his prep, obviously, during the offseason leading up to it was, okay, how are we going to incorporate Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving into our system and planning for a team that was built around those two? Gordon Hayward goes down five minutes into the season, got to completely readjust. They don't miss a beat. I think they started out, they were the one seed in the East for most of the first half of the year, and then the Raptors caught them once they had to deal with more injuries, but he dealt with that. Kyrie Irving being banged up, banged up and eventually I think the last month of the regular season he didn't play and then obviously all the playoffs. Jalen Brown, he was out for I think like three weeks or so. Uh, Marcus Smart, he goes and what did he do? He like punched a painting or something <laughs> and tore ligaments in his thumb and then he was out for a few weeks. So just the injuries that he had to deal with and then just that next man up mentality that you hear a lot in the NFL especially when a quarterback goes down. That's what he brought to the Celtics and it's incredible how much he was able to milk talent and production out of each player on that roster. Terry Rozier, 
he had his ups and downs in the playoffs, but for a little while he looked like the next superstar in the NBA, what was up and coming. And same thing with Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum has looked that way for a few months, but I love him. yeah, but he dunked on LeBron. Yeah, and then, up LeBron. Yeah, LeBron took his. But sword. so regular season, I will barely give the edge to Brad Stevens because what Wayne Casey did with that Raptors roster was hey, really the impressive seed, too. The they had most That's wins impressive. in franchise history. Um, Brad Stevens overcame more. But Quinn, Quinn Snyder yeah, too, with the injury yeah. to Gordon Hayward. Quinn, Quinn Snyder had a really good year too. Yeah. That yeah, Quinn Snyder. This is a tough one to be honest. This is three really impressive coaches who had really impressive years because Quinn Snyder. There are probably some years where he would have won. He loses his best player is able to lean on the, what was Donovan Mitchell, the 13th pick in the draft, I believe, 13th, 14th pick in the draft, able to build a team around him and a defensive center who averages 12 points per game and go on some crazy winning streak of, what was it, like 11, 12 games to go from a team that looked like there's no way they're making the playoffs to they end up as the five seed in the West. So... It was a great year for Quinn Snyder. All three of these coaches overcame so, think, so much. You think Brad Stevens? I'll give it to Brad Stevens. Christian, do you think Brad Stevens or you know the, the other two? Just like Corman said, um, they went in that whole offseason thinking that okay, we need to make the system around Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. Five minutes into the season, you have to you have to just you know scrap it. And then on top of that, I know you said it's a regular season award, but even the last last month, Kyrie Irving wasn't playing. So to me. Brad Stevens has overcame more adversity than any of the other coaches have. You know, with two superstars going down, so. To have the success that he had, and to also develop the players, because you got to think, um, whatever Dwayne Casey did, that's very admirable. But he was developing young players to to rise to the occasion on top of having that adversity. So, yeah. to me, it's a little bit more clear cut. But Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens. amazing coach. Yeah, yeah Casey had two not superstars, but two stars, and, and mm-hmm. Lowry and DeRozan to lean on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was like he, he uh, lost Gordy the whole year, and then in the last month. Right. Yeah, no and Kyrie. Casey's going to have to find a new job now, so that's crazy. Move on to the next poll. The <laughs> Thank final, you, LeBron. The finalist for six men of the year. Uh, you guys, it was between Eric Gordon, Lou Williams, and Fred Van Vliet. 50% Eric Gordon, 50% Lou Williams, and 0% for Van Vliet. He had a decent season for the Raptors. So he put his name on here, but it's not even close for between Eric Gordon and Lou Williams just the and Van Vliet. bench production this year. Like, what's up with that when Fred Van Vliet... Fred Van Vliet isn't a bad player. I think he's a restricted free agent. He's going to get a nice contract, but for him to be a finalist for sixth man of the year, that... That's cute. <laughs> I mean, yeah. good for him, but I'm, I have to give this to Lou Williams myself. It was 50-50 for you guys. Lou Williams should have been an all-star. He was the number one snob, and it was just because the West was so loaded with talented guards and there wasn't enough room for him and a couple other people as well. But 22.6 points per game, 2.5 rebounds, 5.3 assists, coming off the bench, put up, putting up starter numbers. You know, That's what you can ask for from your best player on your roster. And he's technically your sixth man. It's not even a debate for me. But Eric Gordon also had a, a great year, too, for the, for the Rockets. But, and I saw that you know when Chris Paul went down. You can see Eric Gordon's that guy that they lean on. You can see he's such an important part of this team. But Lou Williams' his production, it's it's not matched. Uh, I'm just going to move on to the next one right now. We'll do the finalists for Defensive Player of the Year. We're going to do Rudy Gobert, Anthony Davis, and Joel Embiid. 64% of you guys said Anthony Davis. 29% said Rudy Gobert. And 7% said Joel Embiid. So you guys gave Defensive Player of the Year to Anthony Davis. I, I'm not going to vote against Anthony Davis at any award, 
on the defensive end this year. He was out of his mind, steals, blocks, points. Even I mean, when Boogie went down, he showed a tremendous improvement on top of a year that was already absurd. So Anthony Davis for Defensive Player of the Year, it's no question. Rudy Gobert missed way too much time. Joel Embiid missed some time too. And the years were impressive for both of them, but Anthony Davis was out of this world. Corbin, what do you think about Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah, I think it's Anthony Davis. Rudy Gobert had a really good year when he was healthy, but unfortunately he missed, too much, missed too much time. And then Embiid, he played in a solid amount of games, and he was uh, he was definitely a force on the defensive side of the ball, but just what Anthony Davis was able to do in New Orleans, Nolens. Nolens. <laughs> but what he was able to do, everyone's going to focus on his offensive statistics, which were ridiculous, but he is so unbelievable defensively, and just his ability to guard the one through the five, which is something that Gobert and Joel Embiid cannot do. So you can't just measure everything based on statistics as far as how many steals and how many blocks a player gets. And it's good to see that we've kind of moved away from that because... Draymond Green and Kawhi Leonard, when they were when they won Defensive Player of the Year, I don't think that they led the league in steals or blocks that year. But we were able to look past that and see the impact that they were able to create with both of them being able to guard one through five and take on the best player on any team, regardless of position. And uh, it's just, the trend continues. And what Anthony Davis was able to do, Gobert and Embiid could never do anything like that. No, I, I agree, especially with after uh, Boogie Cousins going down, the, the way he was able to turn up another notch and uh, really lead the team. That's I know this is a defensive award, but I, you feel like you got to take that, that leadership and that ability to step up in, in, into account. And Joel Embiid, don't, don't even get me started on him. Don't put him on any list. I don't even want to see his name. And then you can just take into the fact that consistency between him and Gobert, just the amount of games that he played, it's, it's a clear-cut winner. Yeah, it's Anthony a pretty Davis. easy year to do this award will you at least acknowledge that Embiid is a good player he's a good player but like I just said consistency that's a word that like is tied to athletes and if you're not consistent then what you're gonna be you're gonna get bounced in the second round of the playoffs so we got uh we got let's move on to our next one and this might be the most exciting one and we got the most votes by you guys on here on twitter uh the finalists for rookie of the year we got Ben Simmons Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum would be the third 34% 34% of you said Ben Simmons, 47% said Donovan Mitchell, and 19% said Jason Tatum. So you guys think Donovan Mitchell's the winner for Rookie of the Year. We've been having this debate for way too long now, but that shows the type of year that Simmons and Mitchell have had. Jason Tatum, you've had a terrific postseason. If people didn't already know who you were, you just put your name on the map. I've been so high on Tatum since I was covering the draft before the Celtics took him. I think he's absolutely special and you know, for some reasons, just has this special place with me, and I enjoy watching him so much. But Ben Simmons, to me, statistically had the best year, and I know people will debate about if he's a rookie or not, but that doesn't matter because we're going with the current rules in the NBA. So, you know, I would think Ben Simmons personally, but you guys said 47% Donovan Mitchell. Corbin, who do you go with for rookie of the year? It's crazy how I'm trying to think of another year where, because all three of these finalists for rookie of the year, they all led their team. They all led their team to a playoff spot and varying success in the playoffs. But they all got out of the first round. and <coughs> In the East. Yeah. Well, well not Donovan well, Mitchell. He, two, he upset the time. Oklahoma City Thunder with two all-NBA Was players. Was it really an upset, though? I think the, the Jazz Thunder were a better overall team. But this 
if we were including the playoffs in this, then I think Tatum probably wins because, one, he had a really fantastic playoffs. I think he had the second most points scored in the playoffs yeah, by a rookie actually, behind it was one, Kareem. One point Took him nine more games. games. Yeah, but to be fair, Kareem did it in 10 games. Still, uh, still Tatum in 19. But yeah, still. Give him credit. And also Ben Simmons in the playoffs, and especially in the second round against the Celtics, he pretty much disappeared yeah. for a few of the games at least. But yeah. since this is just a regular season award, and because the rules are how they are, where Ben Simmons, even though you can argue whether he was a rookie or not, but technically, based on NBA rules, he was. I don't think that you can debate. He had an incredible year. He averaged around 16 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. Donovan Mitchell was a terrific scorer for the Jazz, and he led them to the playoffs along with Gobert. But Simmons did that too with Embiid. But with Embiid, the narrative kind of switched because in the first half of the season, it was... Ben Simmons needs Joel Embiid playing in order for the Sixers to be successful. But towards the second half of the year, and especially going into the playoffs, the Sixers had, I forgot if it was a 14-game winning streak, something like that. That was without Embiid because he was out with a facial fracture. And that was all Ben Simmons. And going back to your point, Christian, about defensibility, consistency. consistency. But, yeah, that's all Ben Simmons. And he had one of the best rookie seasons of all time. And... These other two players also had two of the best rookie seasons, at least in recent memory, but not as good as Ben Simmons. So I'm giving that to Ben Simmons. Christian, what do you think? What do you think? It's going to be Ben Simmons. Like I don't want to take anything away from him, but he is definitely that kid who got held back in middle school and should <laughs> very well be in high school and then lays you out in PE, and you're like, oh my God, why is this happening? He's like two years older than he should be in high school. Like, that's Ben Simmons. But to take nothing away from his greatness, like he is a great, it could be his third year, his fourth year. He's a great basketball player, and the fact that like you said, the NBA rules classify him as a rookie, then yes, he is deserving of this award. I, I don't like rooting for the 76ers for a multitude of reasons, um, but uh, he, he is, he's deserving of this award. Um, now, if the voters think, if the voters take this, like, to, like if they think, if they factor this into their voting at all, I could see Mitchell slipping in, because um, they'll give him more credit for being younger, or like, you know, you know like how the voting can be biased yeah. sometimes, so yeah, maybe well, he slips in because people... Um, get hung up on that Ben Simmons is yeah, here for just because the rules are the way it is doesn't mean that every voter is going to agree yeah because that, that's, so. that's why I mean there's gonna I watch a, a lot of Colin Coward he says a lot of these NBA votes can be determined by motion or just like you know hype so yeah there's going to be voters who just don't agree with the rule and they're going to cancel Simmons out just because he had exactly. that one kind of red shirt year and on top of that Ben Simmons he's 21 years old he's going to be 22 on July 20th mm-hmm. most so last year he would have been it would have been his age twenty season, but he came out after a freshman. Most freshmen who play in the NBA, nineteen years old. So mm-hmm. you could make an argument. I mean, that doesn't do anything with he was drafted and he had one year, but you could make an age. argument that yeah, for most second year players, even if you want to call them that, they're twenty years old. He was twenty one, and some people might not see that as a big difference, but when you're nineteen, twenty, twenty one years old. That one-year difference, it does so much for a player. You think Jason about... Tatum, Jason Tatum played most of this year as a 19-year-old, yeah. and that shows how impressive it is because now he's freshly 20. He he has the most upside out of the three of them if you look at it from a right-now standpoint. Right. And you're because looking at the Mitchell, type of years, and you're looking at his age compared to Mitchell's age. Who ben came Simmons out after age. his sophomore year. Exactly, and Ben Simmons who came out and then had a redshirt year in the NBA. So when you're looking at who would I pick to start my team around... Right now, yeah, or whoever they have, I do Tatum with 
you know, the upside that he has when you're looking at how young he is just from the three of them, but from the year that he, they had and the rookie of the year with just production, it's got to be Ben Simmons. Yeah, I, I think the debate about who you want to build your team around, that's still ben different. I think probably Ben Simmons, too. You got to... Totally. I just... I mean, I, I be a transcendent so player. It's just this... Yeah, the stuff that he's able to do is something that just doesn't come around often. Tatum, his ability to do what he does at such a young age doesn't come around often, but there's... Well, that's what I'm There's saying. There's players that's in the NBA that, that all do I'm, what he All does. I'm saying is the criteria when you're looking at it from age and upside, you know, how young he is now doing what he's able to do, mm-hmm. and these guys are doing to very similar at an, another year or two past him. Imagine mm-hmm. what he can do in a year or two. Right. And I you can are, only imagine you how think like he's going to be. With Ben Simmons, this was his age 21-year season. If you want to compare, like, same ages for him and Tatum, you got to wait not just next year, but yeah. two the year years after. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be Tatum's third year. Yeah. I really wonder how much the voters are going to like do our little like 9-11 conspiracies like we it's, are here. Like if his age 11. And it's going to tell us like moving forward. Because how they're going to dictate. It's going to see if the voters listen to the NBA as far as the rules go with voting or not. Because I think there isn't too much of a debate to be had that Simmons had the best year out of these three. It's more just a debate of do you see him as a rookie or not. Yeah. And that's what we're going to learn. So we'll move on to uh, our final poll here. It's the finalists for MVP. We have James Harden, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. This was actually our closest poll. 36% of you said James Harden. 30% of you said LeBron James. And 34% of you said Anthony Davis. It surprised me to see the fact that Anthony Davis was so close up there, even though there's no doubt that he should have consideration for MVP. But James Harden had an incredible year, and so did LeBron James. I don't think... Anthony Davis compares to the two of them in regards to this year. But, you know, James Harden, I think he got snubbed last year. But you can debate depending on who deserved it between him and uh, Westbrook. But still, it it was tougher to pick against Harden last year. It's going to be the same to do that this year. I think he gets it. But it's LeBron James had an incredible year. It was year 15. It seems like he's not stopping. He just keeps getting better and better somehow. Anthony Davis, I can only... Imagine the Supermax contract that he's about to get. He qualified with that now going into this offseason. So good thing for him, but not so much for the Pelicans. Uh, yeah, Supermax, he's going to break the bank. But I'm going to go James Harden because that's what I think is going to happen. But for you know MVP of their team, it's got to be LeBron James because look what he's doing now in the postseason. I know this is a regular season yeah, award, but the Cavaliers are awful without LeBron James and you know, you take James Harden out of the equation, you still have Chris Paul, Eric Gordon, you know, I think you still have a team that will compete for an eight seed, definitely. Yeah, and, I think they you know, still it's, make it's, the it's, it's a good team, but if you take LeBron James off the Cavs, I have no confidence. There might be that a bottom they'll, they'll, they're, I think they'll win 20 they're games. They're the worst team in that Yeah, game. they'll win, they'll win 20 games if they're lucky. So, I'd go James Harden for this year, but for the most valuable player on the team... I think I'm biased because I'm watching these postseasons and seeing what LeBron's doing, but LeBron James is the most important player to his team, but James Harden had the best year for how their voting is going to go for MVP, I think. I think that James Harden will win the MVP. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. But who I would choose for MVP, LeBron James. James Harden had an incredible year. If you guys have listened to us from the beginning back before the year started, I did not think that the Rockets would even be a top three or top four team, just because I didn't think that the fit between Chris Paul and James Harden was that good. I was wrong about that, just like Perry was wrong about the Rockets 
making right. the finals. And the Celtics. And the Celtics. Either way, wrong, but wrong that, twice. The last podcast, regardless, <laughs> I've been wrong twice. But, I'll take double L. Today. But LeBron James, even leading that team to the four seed in the East, because this is just a regular season award. If this was like postseason up until now, then obviously LeBron James. But even just being regular season, LeBron James had the most assists that he has ever averaged in his career. I believe the most rebounds he's ever averaged in his career. Shot over 50% from the field. He played in 82 games for the first time in his entire career. And he did that while playing with pretty much nobody else. He had a still injured getting back from injury Isaiah Thomas for a little bit before he was traded. And uh, Kevin Love, who just seems to like show up for a few games and then take a vacation for a few weeks. Why does he get injured so much? It's congenital. it's not even just the injury. It's when he's it's just Kevin loves out. Kevin loves out. Kevin yeah. feels like at some point but he's even, always out. It's just for even something. even when he's there and healthy, it's like half the time I don't even know is he on the court. Like I have to look through each player on the court. Is that Kevin Love? Is that he Kevin definitely Love? disappears? Oh, there he is. Yeah. And that shouldn't be happening from someone who's an all-star who Makes has shown before that he's capable of averaging 20 and 10. So speaking of, uh, you know, Kevin Love, LeBron James, and the Cavaliers, let's talk, <gasps> you know, conference finals. Christian, let's get your take on MVP, though. Oh, oh I LeBron apologize. James. LeBron James. Okay. He's, he's, Thank you. Well, I mean, right. I, I don't know how. I, I know how because people vote on emotion, but LeBron. I think it's also voter hype. fatigue. Even though LeBron hasn't won it in a little while, like, People want if, change. And it's also how you interpret MVP, just like Perry was kind of talking about MVP versus MVP of his team, which I didn't completely get. But <sighs> it's MVP is kind of ambiguous. Is it the best player or who had the best season? The who best, had the best it's, season it's, it's, it's on the, the best, best team? It's, it's, no, it's who had the best season. And as long as you made the playoffs, then you're eligible. If you're an eight seed, they're not going to look at you. But as long as you're in the top... If you're in the best season, I'm saying you, LeBron. If you're, if you're, if you're, either way, in the top no matter four or five, me, and what metric, I think it's LeBron. Yeah. But that's not how it's going to be. Like you said, it's going to be James Harden. It should be LeBron James. Yeah, yes. James, James, I agree with you guys. Well, so let's move on to conference finals. Apologies to Christian for cutting you off right there. I'm sorry, babe. But, uh, so yeah, what do you guys think? I know Christian and I were on the podcast last week, and we both said our own predictions. He said... Cavaliers in and seven. Warriors, uh, both of them in seven. I said both of them in seven. We both got the seven games right. Uh, I wanted change. I was going for the norm, so I went with. I want. I, I went with the Celtics and uh, you know the Rockets, <laughs> but I, I'm going to take that L today. But Two L's. it's it's. I think it's awful for basketball that this is the fourth time in a row that they're facing uh, the nba deserves change i think the ratings honestly are going to do just fine because yeah, of this whole you know another rematch thing but i think it's sad i think if they had a, another team i think if it was lebron versus the rockets i think that would have been really intriguing for ratings now especially with a healthy cp3 and that's something we'll get to in a second but let's start with our thoughts on the conference finals. I do think the seven games are a conspiracy theory for ratings. That's something I've been hearing no. a lot this week. No. I know Christian thinks that. Um, and if not, what happened to the Rockets at the end? What happened to James Harden? And I want to know what a crazy disparity it was for a home team and away team for the Cavaliers in the Celtics series with the re- reception of the last game, which was an awful game on all ends for both teams, shooting the ball over the place. It was a really ugly yeah, game. Let's, let's, let's just game. address that conspiracy thing right now. So, Christian, I'm really curious how, especially in the Eastern Conference, when every game except for that last game was pretty much a blowout, how does the NBA, how's the NBA 
have some conspiracy to get it to seven games. Didn't it just get to seven games naturally? Well, in the Eastern Conference, yes, because that's the, the Eastern Conference shouldn't even matter. The finals happen with the Western <laughs> yes, Conference. Yes, that, the the Warriors agree. have won the NBA so Finals. Then did the NBA injure Chris Paul's hamstring? That I, I told you again. That didn't play a factor in the overall outcome. Just how close that game was. The Warriors. The Warriors are just they're just honey pine us. This is this is for ratings, Corbin. I know it's game seven. I want to say something though about the refereeing in game seven because if you're talking about conspiracy, it's leading up to game seven. Game mm-hmm. seven should be the best, well officiated game because unless the NBA wanted the Rockets or the Warriors to get there, but game seven, some of the refereeing was horrible. There were two blatant fouls. When James Harden was teeing up for a three, I think one was Jordan Bell guarding him and just not letting him land. And I think the other one, it might have been Clay Thompson, and he was dealing with foul trouble. And then, I don't know if you guys remember the play when James Harden got fouled when he was shooting a three. And he made the shot, but they said that he was not in the act of shooting. Because he like brought his elbow out, but they call it a swing through. He wasn't swinging through. It was on his left side of his body, and he went straight up. That's what? six, seven points right there. I'm saying, I mean, it's not like a ref conspiracy. I'm saying the Warriors know, like they gauged how good they are and they're like, okay, you know, for a couple, a couple more million dollars, let's just, let's just, let's just <laughs> pump, 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 pump the brakes a little bit. Let's just, let's just brick it a you little see, bit. You see, all I'm going to say is my comments on this is I've never seen a man look so smooth and so confident as Steve Kerr looked down three games to two. Well, because Chris or, Paul's injured, oh, he knows no, no, he's okay. This is before Chris Paul was officially ruled out for the next game. He, he said, "We're in a good, him. we're in a good spot." He said, "We're in a good spot." He wasn't. He didn't have one bit of worry. I've never seen a man look so confident and so calm. And that's because he's coaching the best team that's ever been put together. Right. But Perry. yes, Christian, I can see what you're saying about you know. Let's make this interesting. Bring a couple more dollars in for both teams and actually make people no. believe Honestly, the Warriors thing, are beatable because it's not fun when the team is better than everybody else Perry, and but no what, one thinks Perry, any year well, there'll be any When chance. I play Corbin and Madden sometimes and I'm beating him by so much, <laughs> honestly, sometimes happens. I just throw some, I throw some interceptions just so Corbin comes back and it's interesting. I think the Warriors were kind of like that. They went up 2-1. They're like, honestly, this is so easy. Let's just make it interesting. Let's see how great we can be. So they let him get up 3-2. They said, all right, we chilled out. And then boom, they showed us how great they were. You can call Chris Paul's hamstring it's either a conspiracy or the Warriors are really just so talented they wanted to see if they could do it. Yeah, you think so? I mean, there's a chance. Who knows? Hey, you're talking about how you didn't know that Chris Paul was out when he got injured. No, when you no, saw him in his hamstring, did, you, did you really think that he was going to make it back for Game 6 or Game 7 after he heard his hamstring? Who knows? That's what I'm saying. Who knows? All I know is that what I'm saying is he didn't have any worry at all. Chris Paul, Cliff Paul from State Farm, <laughs> didn't matter who was playing. He had zero worry because they knew they were going to win that series. Uh, I want to bring up, now that we're talking about injuries with the conference finals, I want to bring out if you guys think Chris Paul's injury, as well as Iguodala's injury, and any other injuries that's really gone on throughout these playoffs that have made any significant difference. And especially right now with the Western Conference Finals, Iguodala's been out for about three games straight, missed uh, games five, six, and seven, and Chris Paul was out for the last two. Do you think that made a difference for the Warriors or the Rockets? And so we'll be mainly focusing on... Western Conference injuries. That was the ones that really had the major ones. So, Talking about the Iguodala injury? Iguodala and Chris Paul. Do well, you obviously think? the Chris Paul injury made a difference. I think 
but but I know Christian, you know, doesn't think it would have made a difference enough. You know, maybe it would have made the game closer, score, but right? not the overall outcome would have been. Interesting. Interesting. Do, you, do you think the Rockets would be in the championship right now if Chris Paul played games six and seven? I think it would have been really close, but yeah, I think that the Dude, Rockets win Game Seven at home. Think so? I think they still lose Game Six. But it was interesting. Once Chris Paul got injured, I thought about if the Rockets had to choose, and obviously hindsight now is twenty twenty. But in the moment, if the Rockets had to choose Game Five, tight game, Chris Paul, they can choose either gets injured and they win the game, and he misses the rest of the series. Would you rather want? your second best player to go down, he's out for the rest of the series, you're up 3-2, or he stays healthy and they lose that game, they're down three games to two. I mean, that's just... I don't think it, way. I think no it just depends on how severe it really was. You have to just play it by ear. If the guy wants to play and it doesn't seem like something that's going to mess up his career or keep him out even longer, you play that risk. But if it seems like something where the guy can't even walk and there's nothing that you can do, because there's quotes that I've read that said they tried everything they could and they, it just physically wasn't possible. This was the same exact injury that kept James Harden out for a few weeks sometime in the regular season. So this was... Something that they really tried, anything that they couldn't, just wasn't humanly possible. At some point, I believe in Game 7, he even went back to the locker room and started getting changed as this whole dramatic, will Chris Paul come out kind of thing. Of course not. But still, it was the fact that they tried everything they could. Iguodala didn't make any difference for the Warriors. He's a great player and helps their team, but they have other players on that team that can step up and fill that void, and that's as a Steve Kerr coach team, so there's really no problem in regards to having a role player be out. Chris Paul, I agree with you. I think they still lose Game 6, but I think the Rockets win Game 7 and they go to the championship. And that was that's a big thing. I think that's if they meet up mano a mano, both, both healthy, and they play the way that the Rockets are playing towards the end, because you see... It was just Harden dribbling the ball all over the place, not knowing what to do, and had no help. And even though Eric Gordon was there, and they do form a very good backcourt, here's a stat I wanted to bring up. James Harden took 38 shots in the Western Conference Finals that came after at least 15 dribbles. The entire Warriors team took 18. That's 38 for Harden and 18 for the entire Warriors team. So that means James Harden was dribbling the ball between his legs at least four or five times, running in circles, trying to create any space that he could, and the Warriors were able to play team basketball. 18 times that happened, which seems like a normal amount for a team throughout an entire conference finals. But well, for James... Like a pretty low amount. Yeah, but, the but, Warriors, but for, for a good team. Is, but yeah, for Warriors, that's pretty. That's what I meant. You know, it's pretty regular. But James Harden, that's 38 shots as you know, one player in the entire series. It's out of this world, and you can't do it by yourself. It's shown he looked so tired. One of the game plan for the Warriors was to just let him do it. And let him dribble himself out and continue to you know, pound him on the other end until he just couldn't do it anymore and didn't have any help. And that's what happened. So, I, Yeah, you know. it's, it's just a difference in philosophy, too, because Mike D'Antoni's system with the Rockets, it's, and again, it's because of different levels of talent, but it's more predicated on just getting the ball at either Chris Paul, James Harden, let them isolate a lot and then try to create for others if they can't get a shot for themselves. So it's not surprising at all to see... I mean, maybe to see it that lopsided, but yeah, it expects something like that. Now, let's just, one more tidbit just on the conference finals for, for the East. Let's talk about LeBron James really quick. I don't want to go too much on it because he's clearly out of his mind, but he just the greatest won, of all time. He's the greatest of all time, and he just won this, you know, series in seven on a team that really gave a run for his money because they played team basketball, like we were just saying, team basketball, and it's hard to defeat an entire team with it seems like one person 
But this is his 15th year, and now this is LeBron's eighth straight finals appearance, his eighth straight Eastern Conference Finals championship. That is so impressive, and you just got to tip your hat to that. And it's insane. I want to talk about how much longer do you think this is going to go on for? Also, just to, you know, if you think Golden State, if he does stay in Cleveland, if you think Golden State and Cleveland will continue, or if you think this will finally be the end of the saga, because this is the fourth time and the first time this has happened in any major sport for four times in a row for the same two teams matching up. So do you think LeBron's eight straight finals and this whole, you know, Cleveland and Golden State saga continues past this, or is this the end? I think that if he stays in Cleveland... Let's assume he stays in okay, Cleveland. Okay, so if he stays in Cleveland, it all just depends on if eventually Father Time will catch up to LeBron James. And when? he's 33, <laughs> I believe, right now, and he'll be 34 in December. Kobe's age... 34 season that was 2013 just comparable players obviously two of the greatest of all time both came out of high school so 34 have what 16 17 years in the NBA and that was the year where he had a phenomenal season but he pushed his body so far to where towards the end of the season he was playing almost the entire game for a few weeks in a row and then he ended up rupturing his Achilles and LeBron James is a different beast than Kobe for sure. Just he's more physically gifted than Kobe or really anyone else to ever play in the NBA. Or ever walk the earth. Yeah. <laughs> so I am convinced he's not human. He's superhuman or something. I mean, he might he be, makes not me even be human in at a higher all. power, honestly. <laughs> like, Le- LeBron James passed Kobe Bryant and Karl Malone with, for the most, all NBA first team selections with 12. They each had 11. Yeah. And I believe Michael Jordan played 11 years in a row and then came back for one final year. I believe it was no, 12. He played, it was, uh, I believe it was 13 years, and then he took baseball. 13 years not in a row because he took like right. a year yeah, and a I half thought, off. I thought, I thought it was 12, but if that might have been 13, right now, 15 right now something that he someone... He came back two years with Because somebody Wizards. brought up to me, they said, you know, look at that, you know, how many seasons that Michael Jordan's played. And yes, he's six for six on the finals and has all those MVPs. But you're looking at... This player making 12, uh, all-NBA team to be the first all-NBA team, there's only two slots for forwards for LeBron's position. You have to be one of the two top forwards in the entire league, not just the East. There's no East thing Mm -hmm. here. So two, one of the two best, and for 12 years that's been him. I believe he has two second teams underneath his belt too. So at that point... You've always been the best. There's nothing no higher actually you can be. He's gotten snubbed out of some MVPs. You can have mm-hmm. that, you know, that discussion as well. And people are sick of voting for LeBron and sick of having LeBron make every championship. But they're not because now people are sitting here with their jaw just on the ground, just looking at their friends left and right, wondering, you know, when this is going to end and hoping it won't because it's so magical. What we're watching. Well, it's going to end because he's not going to even clean well, anymore. And the LeBron versus Jordan debate with Jordan having gone 6-for-6 six six in NBA Finals. Okay, so he got to six finals, won them all, and then his, in his other years, he just didn't get his team as far. So you're going to penalize LeBron for getting his team further more years? Yeah, he didn't win as many championships as Michael Jordan. He still has time, probably, realistically, won't get to six. Maybe, come to the Lakers. Lakers. <laughs> but no, I mean, realistically, whether he comes to the Lakers, stays with the Cavs, goes to the Sixers or anywhere, he's probably not winning three more titles but it's unbelievable what he's been able to do year after year, carrying his team to championships where most of the times he's made it to the finals, 
he's been on the worst team. There's been a few times, you could say, with the Miami Heat where he's had the better team, and especially 2011 against the Mavericks where he didn't win where he should have. But also, you want to go flip side of that, 2016 against the 73-win Warriors, down three games to one with a team that... Yeah. And even the year before that, when he lost to the Warriors four games to two with no Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving getting injured in the first game and then losing that game and then being able to take two of the next three games with a team that surrounded him that would have by far been the worst team in the NBA. And he's in the finals with them, beating the eventual champions in two of the next five games. Mm -hmm. That's incredible in its own right. And then last year with him averaging the most points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks of anyone on the Cavaliers. It's and he's probably going to end up doing that again this year because the Cavaliers have nobody else. Right. It's unbelievable what he's been able to do. As far as the original question of do I think it's going to continue, if he stays with the Cavs, Maybe. I really just... It all depends on if he's able to stay healthy because I think that if he is healthy... Even if there's some sort of dip in his production, which I can't even say for certain that there's going to be. Him at age 34, where I would have thought, yeah, confidently, like we'll see a little bit of a decrease. But this year yeah, was probably yeah. the best year that he's had in the NBA. Yeah. He's 33. So why am I going to say that next year he's going to get any worse? He might even get better. Jeez. He's not human. A human, yeah. Any other NBA player, yeah, they'd get worse at so, age yeah, 34. So let's talk Game 7s for LeBron James and something he just cemented his greatness. As you said, he just continues to do that. 5-2 and two record now in his Game 7s. 34.9 points per game, 8 rebounds, 4.5 assists. Just when, when he's needed, he shows up. That's plain and simple. And for his team, he does it year in and year out. Eight years in a row, he's won the Eastern Conference Finals. No other player has been able to do that. Four years in a row, it's Golden State, Cleveland, whatever you want to say. It's happening again, and you couldn't really have really scripted this up any better. Two game sevens, that's why we spent so much time talking about the conference finals, because the conference finals were so exciting in the East and the West. Uh, this is the first time since I believe it was the 80s that both you know conference finals went seven games. But let's spend less time on, honestly, the finals preview because of the fact that I know Christian and I both keep saying, whoever won the West, that's the winner. So we keep writing off, you know, LeBron James, and that's so stupid to do because every time I do that, I keep, you know, looking so stupid. But it's okay because at some point I'll be right with it because I, I just, I, I don't like that team. I don't like Ty Lue. I don't like Ty Lue. It's just <laughs> as Corbin said, pretty much every team, LeBron. It feels like if he wasn't on Miami, it seems like if you take LeBron off, they're the worst team in the league by far. And to see him yeah. just do it year in year out, at some point. You know the Golden State Warriors; they are the best team ever assembled. If you look and at the, if you look, and it, on a consistency probably. standpoint, no, it's just how it is. And and Steve so Kerr, Steve Kerr is insane, and it's going to continue to be like this for Golden State. Golden State's about to retain Clay. Clay's been adamant that they're talking about a contract extension. They'll lose Iguodala. They'll lose some of those players that don't matter because they're going to continue. Well, Iguodala still has two years. I'm just left. saying, at some point, they're going to have to lose some of these pieces, yeah. but they're not going to lose the core that they have, and they're going to continue to just get the rich get richer and just get lucky. And Steve Kerr is going to be there until he Kevin can't Durant coach anymore. But yeah, it's just I. So for the finals, guys, I know for me it's Golden State. I've already booked them in there. If it's a sweep, I wouldn't even be surprised. I'm not going to ever say LeBron's going to get swept because I think it's going to go down in six. Gentlemen, I think I think it's going to go down in six. I think LeBron James is such a good player that the team at the team as Cleveland will win a game and LeBron will win a game on his own. 
but Golden State will wrap up four, and that will be it. You know, but at the same time, Cleveland being here is an accomplishment in its own, and it's extremely impressive on LeBron James. I just wanted to just bring up um, a three-part quote that we put up on Twitter from Ty Lu, just about playing the Warriors for the fourth time in a row. Uh, the first part, playing them for the fourth time is just an unbelievable achievement. I don't think people understand how hard it is, how hard it is to win and to get and to get back to the finals. It's not easy. It's tough. Uh, part two, it's a grueling season. When you get to the finals so many times, the regular season becomes boring. It's too long. So to have the resilience to keep playing, keep fighting, not let go of the rope, it's huge. Uh, they're a well-coached team. I love Steve Kerr, what he's done with that team. They have a lot of firepower. They're great defensively. To be one of the last teams left, again, that's a cool thing. So, you know, he loves being in the finals, riding LeBron's coattail. I think Ty Lue's one of the worst coaches in the league. But LeBron, he's back LeBron's in the finals. He's back in the finals. LeBron is making these people's career. He's actually giving them accolades. It's insane to see a human being or someone who's not actually human helping these mere mortals with their careers so that they're remembered. But, I, you know, I think it is such an outstanding achievement to mark on, though, with these two teams being the epitome of greatness for the NBA for four years in a row now. You know, if it happened a fifth year in a row, that at that point, that's half a decade of just yeah. two teams running it. And you really can't comprehend that. I think people are starting to still swallow it. But, you know, the Warriors, I think, are too good of a team. And I, I'm going to predict six games. LeBron James just can't do it alone this year all the way. And I, I please don't put me wrong again, King, and don't, you know, don't do anything <laughs> We're, you know, spiritually to me because I feel like you have control of everything or like an avatar or something. But you know, but I'm, I'm gonna go with the Warriors because they're insane. Yeah, I've been going with LeBron in the East. I said never bet against him, and I I still I wouldn't be comfortable placing an actual bet against him with the Warriors. Know, Christian there. asked me to put down. Christian asked me to put down twenty. You can give me ten dollars. I'm not. I'm not. I think that the Warriors are winning this. I'm saying gentlemen sweeps the Warriors in five. Yeah, but they're nice. They're gonna, they're, they're gonna respect <laughs> LeBron's greatness. They'll give him one win. His they're gonna respect it. LeBron's gonna take it. it. LeBron, he's he is. They're gonna let no. They're gonna let him win. Look at his one in Cleveland. His last. It, this will be. <laughs> listen to me right now. LeBron James will win one more game in Cleveland as a Cleveland Cavalier, and that's it. He by game four, he's gonna have all of his stuff moved out of his mansion and into Brentwood, like in the middle of the night, just like he did in Miami. So. I saw the Sixers have the best odds to land him ahead. Can of you the, take ahead, bets on that? Uh, yeah, you can. Ahead of the Cavaliers. I actually said that the other day. So I said true. I think he's gonna actually stay, and with the number nine pick and the fact that the number front, eight, eight, sorry, number number eight pick, and the fact that the front office is gonna freak out and. Do something in regards to trying to what you know entice him to stay. I don't know what they're going to do, but I think they're going to make a serious effort. And I think he's at to a point of his career right now More where I coach. think I think it's gonna I think it's gonna hurt his brand if he leaves again. And I think he knows that at this point of his career, and he's he's gonna I think that's about it. And he's gonna continue to bring things to Cleveland instead of going out and doing it on his own like he already did. I think he made a mistake last time, fixed it by coming home, and he's fearful for his brand and i think he's so focused on his entertainment company right now and so many of his, uh, of his other investments that you know all over the place but i feel like he's he's as a man with a family and he's you know definitely settled there i know all one of our uh, close family live in his brentwood i know i know i think they uh, i don't know i know he has a place they have options but i i did say if, if he doesn't stay <laughs> i think uh philadelphia <laughs> would be a good good match with you know the young core that they have i think it'd be cool to see LeBron go there and I know that they'd still have cap space to make something happen if they didn't go out back after JJ Redick 
and they yeah. definitely kept themselves flexible. LeBron James makes sense anywhere. Sixers obviously make a ton of sense. One thing with the Lakers, and I try to leave my bias for the Lakers away from when I'm thinking basketball-wise with like what's going to happen in the future. Uh, just obviously I listen to different podcasts and some podcasts have mentioned how they have sources in the entertainment business in LA who like four different entertainment sources who have all said like, yeah, LeBron James is coming to LA. And normally you wouldn't think anything about someone in the entertainment business because it's got to be sports. But Perry, like you were mentioning with LeBron James's brand and how he himself is such a huge entertainment draw wherever he goes and how we know he's already been in movies before and we know that he's going to want to continue to be in some. There's rumors about him doing a Space Jam too. So I think he's the only player where, like, because different people in the entertainment business have said, like, they think that there's a good chance he comes, it doesn't make me think, like, oh, yeah, he's coming to L.A. for sure, but it's something to think about. It's I, weird. I have no idea what he's going to do this summer. I, nobody does. LeBron James doesn't know what he's going to do this summer, and if anyone says they know definitively where he's going to be playing next year, they're lying. Uh, the Sixers having the best odds to land him, I don't think it really means anything other than they're trying to predict who, what betters are going to bet, and trying to make, efficient. yeah, trying to make sure that they don't lose money on something. But um, yeah, it's it's a guessing game right now. Um, as far as the finals go, yeah, LeBron, you're he's going to have an incredible finals. That's something I look forward to every single year. Is LeBron James when the playoffs start? Just once again reminding us how how far ahead of everyone else he is as an NBA player. And especially in the finals where it seems each of these last three years against the Warriors, I think he's either averaged a triple-double or come incredibly close to averaging a triple-double. And he's just a one-man wrecking crew. And it sucks for him that he just has no help on the Cavaliers. So if the Cavaliers win, it's obvious LeBron James would win finals MVP. But no, Jeff Green. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe Teddy Osman, but let's so Warriors. Let's talk if they win the championship. Who's going to be their Finals MVP? We got Durant, Curry, or Clay Thompson, or or somebody else. Yeah, or someone else. I'm going Kevin Durant. I think Curry. Curry's kind of struggled each of the last three Finals appearances. The first two, the first year when they won, he had an okay Finals appearance, and that's why Iguodala was able to win. Uh, the second year when the Cavs came back from down 3-1-1, one, one, Curry was dealing with different injuries. But again, him and Klay Thompson didn't have a great finals. Last year, I don't remember what Klay Thompson did because Durant had an incredible finals. But Curry didn't have a great finals either. I'm not really expecting anything differently. And the part of the reason why he struggles so much is because Steph Curry is someone who gets his scoring off of finesse moves. He's not a power type point guard by any means. He doesn't like contact much. And in the playoffs, teams are allowed to guard a lot more physically. The refs don't call nearly as much. And especially when it gets to the finals, we'll see again this year. The Cavs are going to play Stephen Curry very physically, going to wear him down. He has a smaller body frame. Uh, But on top of that, just his game doesn't translate well when he's allowed to be guarded so physically, which is going to be the case again this year. I think... It's pretty obvious. If the Warriors win, it's Durant, and obviously if the Cavs win, it's LeBron. Yeah, uh, one quick sound I want to bring about the Splash Brothers, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Just a game six, 
Steph Curry and Klay Thompson outscored the entire Rockets team 37-25 to in the second half. So it shows that the two of them could seriously just take over a game on their own. But Kevin Durant's a special type of player. I would say probably is the second best player in the NBA still. Um, but yeah, the Warriors are a different kind of team. They're so well coached and have such depth. And it seems like all of a sudden there's another player on the Warriors that's doing really well. And you just, oh, I forgot they had him too. With it's Jordan Bell or Nick, Nick Young, Young who's playing extremely well. Any of these kind of guys... You're just confused on the fact that they the rich get richer, and you just keep questioning how this is happening. But they almost have the Patriot effect, where if exactly. you like, you know, if you want to take exactly. a small deal and come be part of something great, you can. It's yeah, Nick Young. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of a Nick Young kind of thing. What he did. Uh, quick question: Most exciting thing to look forward to in the finals? Where really? LeBron goes after? <laughs> so I mean, to be honest, it's over. But let's say this: Let's say you know Cavaliers take them seven games. I don't know; they they still lose or whatever. But they oh, they're almost there. Or even if they do win, do if you think that's seven. enough to keep LeBron there on its own? Or honestly, if, just one thing that I'm pretty comfortable saying: I don't know where LeBron will be playing next year, but I'm pretty confident it's not going to be in Cleveland. And I think that this long playoff run. Where at first I thought, okay, the further that the Cavs go, it's going to be harder for LeBron to leave. I think it's made his decision easier because every single round he has had to carry so much of the burden. And because it's been so taxing and for so long, it's going to stay in his mind a lot longer than... Think about if he had lost that Game 7 of the Pacers in the first round. When was that? Like three weeks ago or so? By the time free agency opens on July 1st, he's been resting, well not resting, he's still going to be practicing, but he's been away from actual NBA games for at least two months. Maybe the feeling of how drained he was at that game seven. Two months? Isn't, you said July 1st, that's going to be only a month. No, but if he had lost that game seven, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pacers, that was about a month ago, then maybe that feeling isn't as fresh with him and he doesn't remember just how tired he I mean, was. He, he, played, remember, he played 48 minutes in game yeah. seven. He played and now he's going to have to go up against the Warriors where if they want any shot at all, he is playing 40, 42 plus minutes each game. Yeah. And having to do absolutely everything for actually, every uh, second of those tells minutes. Tyrell Lou to sit yeah. down and fix We something. actually <laughs> asked you guys a poll if Cleveland loses, but regardless, even if they win, uh, will tonight be LeBron's final game as a member of the Cavs? We asked, do you think that was he's, before the. Yeah, uh, it was before game seven. Game six. Or game, game six. six, six. Yeah. Do you think he's staying or do you think he's leaving? 62% of you said he was leaving. Uh, every poll I put out about this in the past few months, the majority of you think he's leaving. So at least for our fan base, you guys don't think he's going to be staying in Cleveland. But our fan base is smart. Then definitely, they've been very <laughs> smart. Every single poll that I put out for every game so far, uh, with these conference finals, asking who you guys got, you guys have actually been straight on. You haven't missed one yet. So congratulations to our very intelligent fan base, and thank you guys so much for participating in all of our polls and getting excited with us. Uh, but one thing we're going to run through extremely quick is just the lottery picks for our NBA draft. Um, I put out a mock – I've actually put out two versions of my mock draft for my first round on Twitter for you guys. I just updated it a few days ago after I really took the time to look over the combine numbers and everything like that and do my research uh, even more. A lot of things did change, so I hope that you guys look at that. I actually have the full second round, so at some point I will release that to you guys as well when – Things change another time for us, but let's just move along this. I'm not, I don't want to spend too much time on each, but if the one of you guys has you know, something to say about one of these players that stand out to you or don't for that reason, please just uh, jump in. I know for number one, the Suns got extremely lucky getting this number one pick, and it's going to help this franchise a ton. Uh, I think DeAndre Ayton 
center out of Arizona. And I know this is a questionable decision because of the fact that Luka uh, Doncic, is it Doncic or Doncic? Doncic. I know that he, uh, his former coach, someone that led him to a championship, is now the coach for the yeah. Suns, and there's that clear connection, so people think that they're going to take him for number one. But it's really just, can you deny the absolute craziness of DeAndre Ayton? And he's from U of A, you know, right down the road, and at this point, can he become an Arizona legend? He's already there. He's going to take over this team, and he adds a huge, you know, different dynamic to this team that they didn't have a rim protector Tyson Chandler is not going to be around very much longer and they have good pieces around them Devin Booker Jackson you know a lot of these guys but to have a centerpiece down low is going to change this team completely do you guys have any other uh, thought about number one do you guys think it's going to be Doncic? Christian brought up an interesting example about possibly trading back if they want Doncic because I think that number one thing I did see though is that they are extremely open to trading back but they were very open about it too we hear that all the time anyone the Browns and the NFL drafts the number one pick anyone who gets a high pick no one's going to say no we're not listening to any trade offers because you never know what's out there yeah listen to everything if you don't you're not doing your job as the GM but for them to actually trade back it's going to take a lot yeah because Aiton Aiton had such a great year at Arizona last year playing out of position he was their power forward because their head coach I'm blanking on the uh, blanking on his name the guy who was going to be fired uh, Sean for, Miller yeah Sean Miller for giving Aiton a hundred thousand dollars but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he had such a great year because Sean Miller couldn't just play him at the five and he would have had an even better year yeah. he's playing out of position at the four he's going number one overall I, I totally agree. So let's move on. Number two to the Kings. Luka Doncic is who I have. They got the luckiest out of anybody on draft night. I believe they had the seventh best overall odds for the number one pick, and they moved up to number two. So they had the biggest uh, jump in regards to teams moving for where they were predicted to be. But I think they get a steal here, and they get their point guard for the future. He can also play shooting guard. He's an absolute weapon. He just won a EuroLeague champion, uh, championship. He's MVP. Finals MVP for that. He can be more. He can have more accolades right now. He's extremely young. He's got perfect size for the NBA. I'm excited he, to see him. He's, play. he's playing professional a professional league right now with Spanish players on the best team, Real Madrid. He's not just performing well. He's outperforming everybody else. And these aren't you know the NBA. I'm not going to say is easier to adjust to as a young player because but the thing is when you're in Spain these are grown men grown professionals they don't they they don't play the 19 year old very often usually they'll only get 15 minutes a game and get a limited sample size because they're dealing with people that have been playing for so long he's running this entire league like it's nothing and he's going to come to the NBA and do the same thing Uh, so the Kings get extremely lucky move up to number two number three to the Hawks I go Marvin Bagley uh, power forward center out of Duke. I know a lot of people here put Jaron Jackson, power forward center out of Michigan State. He had extremely impressive measurables at the combine, and you know he's got a lot of upside. But Marvin Bagley put together a hell of a season. We actually Corbin and I saw him play at the Drew League yeah, uh, down here in LA a little over a year ago, and Before that was reclassed right. That was really cool to see actually. So now I I think he's going to go number three. Do you guys agree or do you? Think yeah, Jaren I think Jackson I think the debate three? between Bagley and Jackson. Jackson has just a little bit higher upside than Bagley just because of his physical attributes, but the difference in terms of floor between Bagley and Jackson is so great that I think you'd be dumb not to just take the safe pick that still, even if both of them 
hit as well as they possibly can, you're still getting a player who is on the same level as Jaron Jackson, maybe just a tiny bit worse. Right. I know you know Bagley statistically had such a great year, and he's a proven player in my opinion. Jackson, uh, if I don't, he's not slipping past four. I'll tell you that right now. If he's there for the Grizzlies, they're taking him, and that's who I have at number four. But Jackson put up 10.9 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, one assist. It was nothing special in college, That's but he definitely showed – flashes of his potential and he's very young and his measurables are insane 6'11", 242 pounds and a wingspan like no other besides Mo Bamba his wingspan's more but Jaron Jackson's got the ability to play power forward and stretch the floor and he brings a lot of athleticism to your team so I have him at number four do you guys agree on that one I I just think when you're looking at the combine and how you're gonna you know and someone's going to help their draft stock. The it's just Jaron Jackson had a yeah. good year. Too. Definitely, it's not like it's yeah, all it, it, it was based. good, but it, the but definitely, I, Marvin yeah. Marvin Bagley, for example, had a much better year, and that's someone. If you're looking just from a statistical standpoint, yeah. he's like, clear cut number three, exactly, yeah, and he reclassified, which is even more impressive. So he's got even more upside. But number five to the Mavericks, Mo Bamba. He's solidified himself there. He's got over an eight foot wingspan. He's super long and he's extremely effective on the defensive end, but he's shown that he can, you know, run the floor extremely well. He's very athletic. It's he helped himself a ton at this combine and the Mavericks pick up a steal with him. I think that hurts Nerlens Noel's future there with the Mavericks possibly will force him elsewhere, but Mo Bamba it will be centered up with Dennis Smith Jr. for a long time and to me that's so exciting to think about a pick and roll with Dennis Smith Jr. and Mo Bamba and that eight foot plus wingspan and you know Dennis Smith Jr.'s athleticism it it really gets me excited so Mo Bamba number five what do you guys think about that one? Someone who's been linked to them for a while they need a big man Bamba just his length alone is something that is really exciting he uh obviously he's his potential is more on the defensive side of the ball, but I think offensively, him being able to be in that pick and roll with Dennis Smith Jr., who I think if you give him a good big man, he's someone who is going to be really tough to stop in a pick and roll just because of his explosiveness, his ability to finish once he gets into the lane. So it definitely makes sense for them, and then the Mavericks probably go really hard. They've been linked to DeAndre Jordan, DeMarcus Cousins, and Randall if they draft Bomba. I think they go the hardest after Julius Randle. Sad yeah, to say, so, because I'd like the Lakers to keep right. him. Right. I mean, I think, you know, slicing Julius Randle with power forward and Bamba here at center, you have such an athletic, at, you know, front court, and that's so exciting there. Uh, but the downside is if the Maverick, for the Mavericks, if they do get Randle and draft Bamba, Randle, part of the reason why he had such a great year this year was because for the first time in his career, he shared the floor with a center that could space the floor and give Randall the ability to drive. Bamba is not going to do that, so when Randall tries to play bully ball in the post, he's going to have to bully two players, not just one, because Bamba's man is going to be able to come over and at least help a little bit, yeah. if Randall's on the map. Uh, another guy that you know the Mavericks were debating would be Wendell Carter Jr., who I have to number six here to the Magic. Uh, number six to the Magic is a pick that I think they might trade back and try to accumulate more. More players out of this draft. They really need. I have a lot of. They have a lot of holes to fix. Uh, but Wendell Carter Jr. He was kind of the other guy at Duke with Marvin Bagley, and he averaged 13.5 points per game, 9.1 rebounds, two assists, and was a definite force on the defensive end. So he's at this point in my first mock draft. I had Trey Young going here to the Magic. 
I think with the fact that Trey Young came in and measured so bad and didn't have a great combine and a lot of the talk this offseason about him putting on all this muscle, people were wondering where it was. So I think the Magic stays safe here and go Wendell Carter, a guy that can man down low for them and definitely help them on the defensive end and you know build some sort of identity for them because I think that's the Magic out of any team in this league frustrate me the most because they're in no man's land and they don't have an identity and especially you know Alfred Payton leaving they now don't even have a point guard and Aaron Gordon's going to get a ton of offers around from everywhere so I think the Magic just have zero identity they have to start somewhere um, for ratings Trey Young would be a great guy to pick you're going to get a lot of fans but Wendell Carter uh, Jr. for me at number six the Magic I wouldn't be surprised here because I have heard that the Clippers are trying to move up they have two first round picks the Clippers 12 and 13 they are trying to move up for Porter Jr. So we'll see if that's something they can do with the Magic there at 6, possibly even the Bulls at 7. Moving on to the Bulls at 7, of course I have Michael Porter, so I think the Clippers would have to leapfrog them. But the Bulls take Michael Porter Jr. And he's a guy, the guy that people forget about. He was the consensus number one pick in everyone's mind coming out of high school. He got injured in college. He played a little bit during the tournament. We were able to see him at the end, but it's only so much sample size that we've been able to see, and his measurables are insane, and he's going to be so good. I think the Clippers make a move and move up to get him, but right here I don't have any trades in my first mock draft, so I have the Bulls getting Michael Porter Jr. What do you guys think about that? Because that's a high-class player, Michael Porter Jr., that really screwed up his draft stock unintentionally with getting injured, but you know played a game or two towards the end of the year in the tournament. But uh, I think to someone the- Usually for those types of players... Most like high risk players that if they're able to figure it out could be really good. They're not drafted as high as Michael Porter Jr. is going to be, but also most of those players don't have the upside that Michael Porter Jr. has because we barely got to see him this year. He's someone who all you heard about him in high school was how great he was and how he was able to create his shot pretty much at will. He's Six foot ten as a small forward and very athletic, and so if he can harness all of the tools that it looked like he had, and hopefully this back injury, which is a really scary injury, right. that's if, the one thing. If it's behind him, he and he, he has, might end up as the best. He's player been in open track. that he's willing to share his medical records with any team, and he's willing to be extremely candid throughout the entire process, take any test that he's needed to do. So if you're that confident where you're at physically. I don't think that's going to be an issue, and I think he's going to be one of the biggest bright spots of this draft. And the Bulls could really score. The, yeah, the Bulls need a guy that can take over that game like that. And I know Levine there at guard and Chris Dunn and Lauren Marketing, and they actually have a lot of cool pieces there. I think adding Michael Porter Jr. at this point would be you know, the star that they're looking for right now, and it would really help that team. Uh, let's move on to number eight to the Cavaliers. I got them going Trey Young here. They're going to need a star if LeBron leaves. They're going to need a star if LeBron stays. Either way, they're going to need to help him in a big way. And here you're picking at eight. There's going to be so much value there. And you're going to need a guy that's going to help change the team immediately. This is not a project pick that you can make if you want to keep LeBron James. You got lucky that you got this pick. And I know that people thought it was going to be even better since it was the Nets pick and it would be higher. You have a top 10 pick. You have number eight. At this point, Donovan Mitchell was what number last year? Yeah, if you're in the top 15 guys, any of those guys could make a difference. Giannis, you know, when he was drafted, he was a 15. He was a steal. So you need to look at these guys. And this is number eight here. So I think Trey Young here, he's a guy that could make a difference. And I know that I had him actually here at six. 
in my first mock draft, but he said he put on 10 pounds of muscle. He came in officially at 173, came in at the uh, combine officially at 183. So, you know, 173 is where you started. We all thought he started at 180. That's what he was originally listed at, at Oklahoma. So, you know, but he did put up 27 points a game, almost four rebounds, and almost nine assists. He ran the NCAA in a statistical standpoint. I think he was the first player in NCAA history to lead the NCAA in and scoring and assists. And that's so impressive. It's something we take away. Yes, his team was trash. No, they shouldn't have made the tournament. They got lucky but, and they got bounced. Yes, but Perry, that's not on Trey Young. You're making the case for Trey Young on the Cavs if LeBron stays. I think if LeBron or stays. But okay, but if LeBron stays, there's no way the Cavs hold on to this pick. We've seen time after time again LeBron James puts pressure on front offices to trade their future assets right. to win now. Trey Young is not but going, I, 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 adding Trey Young to this team does not make them any more likely to win the Makes them just a little bit more likely because obviously I'd, I'd he's talented. I put Young but over George Hill right now. Obviously, yeah, but that's why I'm, I'm saying have anyone the value that you could get trading that number eight pick and maybe trying to package it right. with whatever assets they might have is more valuable for right now than drafting someone at number eight and keeping them. It you might see, I, no, I you might not you. get as much value from the player that you get back in terms of long term, right. but upcoming these next no, year, I, two I years. I agree with you. What I'm saying is I, I didn't do any trades for, for my mock right. draft. Okay. I just kept it as is. And if I did, I already have, would have had the Clippers leapfrogging for Michael yeah. Porter, and that would have put Michael Porter here to the Cavaliers, which might even make more sense for them. But, you know, Trey Young adds a big piece to them with LeBron James. And if LeBron James is gone, and let's say they do keep the pick, Michael Porter sounds like a very good option to take over for LeBron James and he's not going to fill the same shoes. But you need to move on at some point. Uh, I love him there. Uh, Trey Young, he hurt himself because he didn't measure out very well. But number eight to the Cavaliers, if they keep this pick, I like that a lot. He's going to add a big difference. He puts up numbers. That's plain and simple. Uh, number nine, Knicks, Mikael Bridges, shooting guard, small forward from Villanova. Had an amazing tournament, an amazing year. He might have the biggest upside out of anyone here in the top ten in regards to measurables and athleticism. Um, you know, um, when you're talking a center, you got to think long and Mo Bamba and stuff like that. But this is a guy that can play the shooting guard position, small forward position, and power forward position. He's that got that perfect NBA body. And he's he played extremely well at Villanova. He had a great tournament, and he had a great combine. So the Knicks, I think, take him here. And uh, the 76ers, after that, there's another Bridges. Uh, not where, related. But no. Not related. Uh, but it's Miles Bridges, small forward, power forward from Michigan State. Uh, that's going to round off the top 10. And 76ers got that trade via La- uh, got that with a trade via Lakers to their top 10 pick. From the Steve Nash trade yeah, a long time ago. So, but I, I actually like Miles Bridges more than... Mikkel Bridges. You like Miles Bridges more than Mikkel Bridges? I do, but... He, he's a taller virgin. And he's a bigger bridge. He's, he's a bigger bridge, as, <laughs> as Kristen said. He's he's taller and a little bit more effective on the, you know, down low, but just the athleticism and the potential for Mikkel Bridges, it seems like he could be similar to, you know, it's a Robert Covington as well on the yeah. defensive end and the same kind of size and everything like that. It's a, a comparison. That's, I, I saw better Robert Covington is what I saw in comparison when I was doing a lot of my mocks. Uh, but yeah, my, the two bridges back to back, you just pair them up and take a long bridge. Uh, to number 11, Hornets, uh, Kevin Knox, small forward, power forward, Kentucky. I know this might be a bit of a reach, but this is a class that doesn't have a lot of good small forwards. 
and Michael Porter being there, Mikael Bridges you can classify, and Miles Bridges both technically as small forwards, but they're multi-positional players. Kevin Knox, he can play power forward, but he's a true small forward, and he actually was, I think, the best player on Kentucky's team. And um, because there's not a lot of talent at the small forward position, the Hornets desperately need a small forward, and they need to continue to build around Kemba Walker. They can't let him go. And they're honestly, they're fine with point guard and uh, shooting guard, and they've done a lot of work definitely trying to help the power forward and center position, but I see nobody on that team that can play the small forward position to help this team. If, if Whoever they have right now, they're not going to make an eight seed ever. Kevin Knox is the kind of guy that can help them now, but also a kind of guy that will help long-term. Clippers, 12 and 13, and we'll move on them quick. I think they're going to actually trade them for Michael Porter Jr., but I have them taking Colin Sexton, point guard out of Alabama, uh, one of the tournament heroes. He played out of his mind. He actually measured a little small, too, and hurt his um, stock a bit, but you know it's not too bad. He's a scoring machine. I think they're going to get lucky there. And Robert Williams, who as well had an amazing tournament, can play power forward and center. All I see is comparisons to not as good of a DeAndre Jordan. That's all I keep seeing. He has similarities. DeAndre Jordan just not as good, and that's what I keep reading. So Clippers can take him there with anticipation of losing him. I think that's a great pick. If they keep 12 and 13, they can get two players that help that team. If not, they can pair it and move up. So Clippers are in a good spot. The last pick we're going to go with here, uh, number 14, the Nuggets. They're going to take Keita Bates-Diop, another guy that might be a little bit of a reach. Some people have him right in the beginning of the 20s, but he's a true small forward as well in a very weak small forward class. So he, as well, breaks the bank a little bit more than he usually would on past years here at number 14 to the Nuggets because they desperately need small forward help. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it for my lottery picks. And I I hope you guys enjoyed me putting those out on Twitter for you. If you want to see the whole first round, jump on Twitter. The updated versions there from just a few days ago, I had my first round, or sorry, my first version of it about a week and a half ago. So please take a look at our Twitter, and I'll retweet that a little bit later on tonight for you guys if you want to really look into that. But, you know, thank you guys so much for being with us here. And Christian, thank you so much for joining joining me again. It's so good to have you back, Corbin, from you know your travels and thank all you. three of us here together in California. It brings another energy to this podcast, and I'm so blessed here. So, uh, but yeah, uh, it's my 23rd birthday this weekend, and I wanted to end this with uh, with uh, it, it was sorry, it was my 23rd. I just wanted yeah. to end it with a debate on. I know people kept they telling me they they keep telling me it's the Jordan year, and I disagree. It's the it's the LeBron year. I wanted to hear you guys. It is the LeBron year. Do you think, it's, do you think it's the time. Jordan year still, or do you think it's just the LeBron year now? Whether he's the greatest of all time or not, he's more relevant because he's playing now. So I mean, that's, that's a way, Oregon, that's a way to LeBron end that debate year. without getting into the greatest of all time. But also, LeBron LeBron's greatest of all time. But yeah, so thank you guys so much for joining us on, <laughs> on uh, episode no. 24 of NBN Rap. Uh, Please follow us on Twitter at NBN Rap. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. Follow Corbin on Twitter at Corbin MRPK. You can follow Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. Please uh, listen to us on the SoundCloud app. If not, jump on to Apple Podcast app and please rate us five stars and leave a review if you like. We really appreciate all of your input and thank you guys so much for joining us for episode 24. Anything else that you guys have to say? Just thanks for listening to this podcast and we. Hope you guys tune in again next time when hopefully we'll have some clarity as far as if the Warriors are winning in four or five. Yeah, we'll see you guys before the finals end, and we'll uh, (laughs) we'll give you guys a little more prediction on who we think are going to win the finals. So we'll see you guys real soon.